On today's episode, Tyler's ITB success story. Welcome to the Run Smarter podcast, the podcast helping you overcome your current and future running injuries by educating and transforming you into a healthier, stronger, smarter runner. If you're like me, running is life, but more often than not, injuries disrupt this lifestyle. And once you are injured, you're looking for answers and met with bad advice and conflicting messages circulating the running community. The world shouldn't be like this. You deserve to run injury-free and have access to the right information. That's why I've made it my mission to bring clarity and control to every runner. My name is Brody Sharp. I am a physiotherapist, a former chronic injury sufferer, and your podcast host. I am excited that you have found this podcast and by default become the Run Smarter Scholar. So let's work together to overcome your injury, restore your confidence, and start spreading the right information back into your running community. So let's begin today's lesson. Smarter Scholars for tuning in for another episode. We have another success story and uh, Tyler reached out to me on Instagram several weeks ago and was talking about, oh, thanks for the podcast. This is the benefits it's had. This is what I've done. This is what I've learned. This is how I've changed my running and this is how I've managed to overcome my injury. And I said, fantastic. Do you want to jump onto the podcast to have a chat about it? (laughs) And he um, was more than happy to jump on and discuss Uh, He sent me an email beforehand of like his injury history um, because it's going back to about a year now. And so it was good that I get that information beforehand. If you haven't listened to um, the episode prior to this one, so the episode is Does Cadence Change with Speed, that episode, um, have a listen to that one first before you listen to this because they tie in very well and it almost is like a precursor for this episode if you wanted to get the the full extent and take um, full advantage, I guess you'd say. So yeah, I was excited to have Tyler on. It's a great story. And so let's dive in. Let's dive in. Tyler, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, Brody. Yeah. Do you want to just start off with um, people getting to know a bit about you, like where you're from and how your, your running, I guess, background started? Sure. Yeah. So, uh, Tyler Langan, I'm from Mandan, North Dakota. It's right in the middle of the United States. Um, you know, I was been, I obviously just ran my entire life. I was in the, uh, United States army. So I was a forced runner for a lot of years. Um, and I just grew to absolutely hate running. I was <laughs> to the point where, you know, like, well, I like basic training and the, some of the advanced training and stuff that I went to, we'd obviously run a little bit more, but after that I had a PT test once every year. And so I ran two miles a year for 12 years out of my life where, you know, that's, I've been pretty lucky. I haven't had to like put a lot of effort into it, but, um, did that. And then I got out of the, out of the army in 2019. And I don't know, a year went by and I'm like, I just got to start running again, I guess. So one day I just went out for a little jog. I, we had a kid. I'm like, I know it's, you know, run is good for you, obviously. So I want to try to stay on this earth as long as I can. So I was like, I'm going to go out. I ran like probably a mile, just toast. I'm like, <laughs> all right, here we go. Another, another little challenge here. So after that, I just, I got hooked and now I'm, you know, running four or five times a week. So I love it now. It's a huge part of my life. 
how long did it take you to actually get hooked? Because, you know, most people start off with like a clean slate with running and kind of go in with um, no real expectations, but you actually started off with a hatred for running. And so I'm yeah. kind of kind of <laughs> curious as to what turned things around. Well, I, I just always like, you know, it's like a challenge. So like, I felt like right when I started, like I just got this thing in my head. I'm like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to go for a run. And I'm like, what if I could run a marathon? That'd be kind of cool to do, you know? And then it's just like, yeah, just it went from me absolutely like, like I told you in that email I wrote to you, like I be like I loathed running, hated it, hated it with a passion. And I'm just like, and then like, I don't know. Now it's just the challenge of it. Like, how can I mm. challenge myself further? I like asking because people have a different perspective. Like some people just like the feeling it gets. People just like the the feeling of the workout, like the endorphins, getting out in nature. Um, but then there's the other side that just people want to test themselves and push themselves and just have, they might not actually like running, but they like the seeing the progression and they like challenging themselves in different ways, whether it be speed or distance or a race or something coming up. So it seems like you are more tailored towards that, the challenging aspect and seeing what you're capable of. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I don't ever, I rarely, I should say, I don't ever, but I rarely go on and be like, okay, well, yesterday I ran like this 5K, so today I'm going to run this 5K. I'm like all about running like slower, longer miles right now. And I've been, I'm like, that's that's just what I've done for the last, you know, like year and a half. I And then in, on the 4th of July, we had this huge parade and stuff in, here in Mandan. It's just, they're all about the 4th of July here in Mandan. Um, and I did a 5k race. So I'm just like, I'm not built for this. I'm built for longer miles. I was like, no, the speed thing just, it killed me. <laughs> <laughs> right. And so uh, let's get into this knee pain. So when did that come in? So I guess from the, from when you very first started running recreationally, um, how long in before you started noticing knee symptoms? Right. So that was probably like, um, I'd say May or June. 2020, I started running again, um, right around there. Uh, I'd say between three and six months, I started noticing this, just this ache in my left knee, kind of on the outside of my left knee. So just being stubborn, I tried to tough it out for a while, you know, and eventually it got to be like so bad. I'm like, I can't even run anymore. Like I'd be running and then I'd have to walk because it got so, so sore, like just aching, aching pain. Um, and I'd like take a day off and I'd go try it again and same thing would happen again. So eventually after a few weeks, I'm just like, I got to figure out what this is. There's obviously a reason behind it. Um, it's pretty easy to find. Like you type in the, a Google search and you, it's, you know, like outside of my knee hurts. What would it be? Um, I mean, IT, IT band stuff pops right up, you know, so it's obviously a very common issue. Um, so I just started looking at like, what could I, what could I do to fix it? Um, I know there was a, a very popular shoe brand that they, um, they popped up. I'm like, well, let's look into this. They had stretches and exercises and stuff that you could try, try that stuff. Um, didn't really do the trick for me. So then I think it was my wife. Eventually she bought me some, um, I think they're just IT band, um, braces. There's little skinny braces that go around your knee. Um, I, I, strap those on and I'd go and it relieved a pain, the pain for a little while. Um, but it, it always came back. Mm. Um, so then I talked to a buddy that's been running his entire life. He ran cross country and in high school and stuff. And he's like, yeah, man, you know, it's just 
one of those things that happens to a lot of people and mostly rest will, will take care of it. So then I ended up taking some time off <laughs> of running and when I picked it back up, maybe let's just say a few weeks to a month later, I mean, it, it was just right back to where it was. It didn't, it didn't go away at all. Can I maybe ask at the time, like when you started developing this knee pain, um, could you, could you kind of find a cause? Did you notice any, um, spikes in your training? Did you, would you just pop up out of nowhere? It would just pop up out of nowhere. Like, especially at that time, like I would say I wasn't really into the, you know, listening to people like you Brody and Zach Bitter and all you guys that are just, you know, like scientists when it comes to running, I'd say, (laughs) um, you know, you get, you get a lot more in depth and like techniques and stuff at the time. I was not into it. I just like go, you know, I'd throw on some running shoes and some headphones in my ears and I'd just take off down the road um, with a little Fitbit on and try to track my time, that tracking uh, time and distance. Um, so as far as like speed or distance and stuff, I, I, I couldn't tell you. Like, I don't think there was much of a difference. So yeah. I really don't know what would cause it. And you said that there was discomfort kind of around the kneecap, but you also said it was kind of towards the outside of the knee. Um, can you maybe describe what the where the location was? Yeah, so if I wanted to take like my left knee and look like, I would say looking down at my left knee, if I was to look right off to the left side, like on the outside, like right where your knee bends, it would be like right below, right in that, that joint right there. Okay. Um, Cause I know some people get it band stuff like all the way up in their hip or all the way down in their calves and stuff. Mine was always in my knee. Mm. And so it wasn't necessarily around the kneecap itself. It was more around the, the joint, the knee joint line, right. you could say. Yep. Like right on the side of the knee. Yep. Yeah. And so that's um, when you started Googling and sort of searching for knee pain and the information about ITB came up, did the, what, it was describing was say ITB syndrome was what you were reading, kind of matching your symptoms and kind of fitting a pattern there. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, I'm pretty stubborn when it comes like going to the doctor and stuff. So I would, you know, <laughs> I was like, you know, I just gotta, okay, I just gotta be tough. This will go away eventually. But everything I was reading, I was like, well, that has to be what it is, you know? So mm. to me, it was pretty clear. Yeah, maybe if you could just describe what the stretches actually were that didn't work for you. And also you said you mentioned some exercises and maybe some um, some braces and bands that didn't really work for you. Uh, what did they look like? What did the exercise look like? So like the exercise as far as like stretching, it would just be like, a, um, I'd say the one that helped me the most. And like I said, this it, this is tricky because none of them really helped me until I listened to that that podcast with you. I dealt with ITB until I listened to that podcast with you. So as far as like the stretches and stuff, if I had to say one that, that really helped me the most is, um, like a bent over hamstring stretch, but you cross your feet mm-hmm. and that seemed to like pull on it pretty good. Um, other than that, I would say like calf stretches, probably, you know, any kind okay. of calf stretch would seem to seem to help a little bit. So you tried doing this bent over hamstring stretch. I'm assuming it's in standing, but you just like cross one foot over the other and then just bend forward and try and get a stretch in the the hips that way. Right. Yep. Yeah. Just a standing hamstring stretch. Yeah. And you just cross your feet. And that seemed, if I had to say like one helped, it would be that or just like cow stretches. Yeah. 
Okay. And did you think it helped like in the moment with settling down symptoms or do you think it actually helped say uh, when you had to return to running? I would say that (laughs) it just uh, prolonged the pain from coming up. Okay. Delayed the pain, delayed the onset. Yeah. Yeah. Delayed the pain. Yeah, exactly. But I mean, eventually it was just like, it was going to come. So yeah. And so you you said that some exercise, just quickly chiming in here to let you scholars know, I have just updated my five day injury prevention challenge. This is one email per day for five days, learning new concepts and diving into the science on how you can reduce your risk of injury. The sign up link is in the show notes. So fill in your details and I'll be waiting for you in email number one tomorrow. As may be working, may not be working, but over the course of like several months, it just wasn't going away. It was still definitely there. Oh yeah. Very present. Yeah. Never went away. Did you, and any strengthening exercises at all? Did you manage to Google any of those or, and start implementing them? No, honestly, I, um, I got so auto. I used to be big into weightlifting, like for probably 10 years when, when I was not running at all, I was big into weightlifting. I go to the gym five times a week. Um, and then we had a kid and I just totally got out of the, going to the gym and stuff. Um, started running again and I didn't do any strength exercise or in, no, no strength training at all. Um, but then, like I said, after I started listening to you guys, I went and bought, I got a pretty cool program through my work where they give me um, a certain amount of money every year to buy like gym equipment or enter races, um, cool. get massages and stuff like that. So I just went and spent all, all those hundreds of dollars on weight equipment and I started doing strength training again now too. So that's, well I mean, it seems to help. Yeah. And so I guess when it comes to say some people, when they get injured during while running, um, they manage to still, still run, but the pain's still there and they manage to like kind of maintain their, the current mileage or sometimes build up their mileage, but symptoms just get worse. When it came to your running while you were trying to deal with this and do the stretches and the exercises and the braces, were you dropping your overall mileage or was it staying relatively consistent? No, I dropped. I mean, I dropped completely after, after so long, you know, after people were like, you just got to rest and I'd, I'd rest and I'd try it again. And then eventually I just had to stop because the pain just became unbearable, you know? Um, and that's when she got me those braces because she knew I mm. she could tell that I was into it. You know, she's like, I don't know where it came from or whatever. But she's like, this guy's into running now. So she tried to help <laughs> me out. She got me those braces and they were super simple braces. They're just, I'd say like an inch and a half thick. And I'm, I'm pretty confident they're called IT, uh, ITB braces. So um, strap them around your, your knee and it makes it bearable. You know, look, it puts a little pressure on the sides of your knee is all that, all it really does. Yeah. And did you, and you found that effective for a while? Yeah. But you okay. could still, I could still tell that it was still like inflamed or whatever IT ITBs do. You know, I don't, I don't know what they actually do inflamed or, you know, aching or, you know, whatever. Um, you could still tell below that brace that it was, it was sore. It was tender, but you could, I could put some miles on at least I couldn't do distance. I couldn't go real mm. long distances. I'd say like probably a 5K, maybe a 10K, but that would be absolute max with a brace. Yeah. It makes sense. And like it follows a lot of the principles of the podcast as well, saying that, okay, you've you've got this injury, this um, this structure that's not tolerating a lot of running, 
but you're finding certain little things here and there that prolong the pain or like diminish the pain, but it's only short term. Like it's, it's definitely not getting better. Um, but if you were looking back on now, if you were to implement something, which we'll talk about in a second, but if you were to implement something that is a bit more long-term, but you've compiled those exercises, like maybe for a couple of weeks, you use that strap, or maybe for a couple of weeks, you did a couple of those stretches that at least prolonged the onset of symptoms or reduced the severity of the symptoms slightly. Um, that can have pretty profound effects, like when you compile them on, but you just hadn't hadn't seemed to find the answer for that long-term solution, that real profound, um, definite, like so, uh, the definite kind of decrease in symptoms, which you hadn't found until later on. Would you, would you say that that kind of oh, fits yeah. what you're going through? No. Yeah. That's accurate. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. And then you're talking about the rest, like trying to combat this injury with complete rest. And mm-hmm. how long would you say, would you, would you take bouts of weeks or several weeks off from running before trying to return and see if it's better? Yeah, several weeks. Um, yeah, there was bouts there where I would go three, four weeks and I wouldn't run at all. Um, and, and like I said, for some reason, I don't know, something clicked one day where I was just like, I got to run. And then it would just kill me when I couldn't run, you know? Mm, so I would yeah. take a month off. I'm like, I'm dying here. So then I tried again and it would flare up, you know, maybe not on the first run, but, you know, after you take a, a few weeks off, you're not going to go out there and run a half marathon probably maybe but you're mm. probably going to try to ease into it again you know so i'd go out there run a few miles and it would you know after two or three runs it would be right back to where i was again yeah so it's it's becoming pretty evident that something to do with your running either the the structure the source structure itself its capacity is really low and can't tolerate a lot of running or it's something to do with the running form or something to do with your running kind of um, dosages that's continuously flaring these things up while you're taking those weeks off did you um, mix it up with some cross training or some other forms of cardio exercise to like kind of keep you in shape yeah i would do i would do body weight workouts you know i got into body weight workouts like i said at the time i didn't have any weights or anything um we were kind of in the middle of building our new house here that we're in now we were living in an apartment so i would do you know push-ups pull-ups stuff like that sit-ups um but nothing really other than pull the kid around in a little bike cart that I have, but nothing crazy cardio. So it was, yeah, it was just killing me that I couldn't do, I couldn't go running. It was yeah. painful. <laughs> I think I should probably describe as well, kind of that, um, that brace you were talking about. We kind of call it like a strap because that's essentially what it is. It's kind of like, if it's the same thing I think you're thinking of, it's like um, this like band of fabric that kind of just can just, be strapped around your knee, um, yep. kind of just below the just below the kneecap, and then just just surrounding as a just a thin strap around the entire knee. Would that be accurate? Yeah, yeah, that's correct. Yep, a strap. I would call it a strap or yeah, a brace. Yeah, but um, it's super simple. Yeah, exactly. And sometimes that can be enough. Like I know um, me coming from a basketball background, people who used to have uh, tendon injuries at the front of their knee, they used to have that same strap. They used to use tape and just fold up the tape and then just put it around their knee but they used to be super effective as well and it just oh, like yeah. supports the tendon it like triggers it to to function in a different way because it's got a little bit of um support there and so uh yeah we've i've found big effects with that but like we know it's only a short-term thing it's not changing the the capacity or the strength of the tendon at all um so it's always good to kind of mix um effective long-term strategy with these like little kind of 
gimmicks that kind of settle down pain or prolong pain and yeah, kind of combine the effects of all of those sort of things. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. You're just really just masking it and you're kind of just hiding the pain, you know, it's going to rear its ugly face again eventually. Yeah. And then people are going to go through that same experience that you've had where you've had several months of it just not going away, like trying several different things and then it just still being there and still being unable to run. Um, and so on the email, when you reached out, you said you had kind of this profound change after listening to one of the episodes of the podcast and um, had a huge benefit. So do you want to talk about the episode and kind of what you learned and the actions that you took from there? Yeah. So I actually heard you on an, another podcast, that HBO podcast I was listening to. Um, heard you on there and I, obviously I liked what you had to say. So I started downloading your podcast and listening to them and I was going through catching up. I mean, you had, you know, hundreds in the backlog or whatever you had there, um, catching up. And all of a sudden I went through this one that's like, um, what was it called? Uh, mid, mid race, uh, adjustments or what was that one? Yeah. Mid race soreness. Like it was troubleshooting for mid race soreness. There you go. Yep. Troubleshooting for mid race soreness. So you're going through all these things you can do and you just touched on it briefly. Like, you know, Hey, if you're, if you're, if you're, IT bands are, you know, flaring up or whatever, just improve your cadence. I'm like, could it really be that easy? <laughs> you <Yeah>. know, <laughs> that's what it is. So I just got like, I started looking at um, my Garmin app after that. I was like looking at what my run cadence is and stuff. And it's so low, you know, it's like I told you, like 145, 150 maybe. So I'm just taking these monster strides, reaching all the way out there with my front foot. So after that, I, I downloaded a metronome and I set it to, I think I set it to 165 and then at first it didn't feel too much different. So I cranked it up to like 175 and I started running and I was like, this is amazing. I have, my knee doesn't hurt at all. Um, skeptical because you know, maybe it's just, who knows, you know, maybe, maybe it's just getting lucky or whatever, but here I am months later. I don't see that. I listened to that episode probably four or five months ago. And I think it was from May. Um, I haven't had an issue yet. And it's, it was that simple. It's like in, in, improve your run cadence, you know? Wow. And so I guess um, you may have gathered what more of an ideal kind of range is for you. And you had a look at the cadence um, from your past runs and saw that you're around the 145, 150, which... I think if any other listeners are listening to here, um, at the time of like when this episode does get released, there'll be a um, an episode just before this one, which talks about cadence and cadence with different speeds and that sort of thing. So this actually times really well. But nice. I, I do mention that um, when it comes to like an ideal range, like the ideal, the optimal range is different for everyone. Like you could have an, op- an optimal cadence and I could have a different optimal cadence, but the the ranges are usually um, quite similar. And so I usually have the advice of if anyone's definitely 150 or below, all of those runners should increase their cadence, but how they increase it, where they increase it to can be quite tricky. And um, when it came to you selecting the, the 165 or 175, were you just, just, going off like a trial and just see how it feels and then just take from there. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, I just remember you saying like, I don't remember if it was in that episode. It's been a while since I've listened to it, but if it was in that episode or other episodes that you talked to, like if you're, if you're going to go ahead with improving your, or increasing your run cadence, do it slowly or that could cause other issues. I'm mm. like, well, if I'm at like a 145, 150, 
I got to get up close to where, you know, my optimal range is. And you can find optimal ranges for kind of your body, your height and stuff like that. That's all over the place. You know, I think even my Garmin app, it says like, this is where, you, you know, you should be in here. Um, so I just try to get close to that. And I was just amazed that, you know, I wasn't feeling any pain for once. Yeah. And, and I guess, uh, the, the jump from 150, your cadence of 150 to 165 is a jump of 10%, which is, which is fine. Like I think, um, anywhere between five to 10% as a start off kind of, let's see how we go, um, is a pretty good step. But I do think that some runners, um, if they were to go from 145 to 175, I think they'd find that way too, way too foreign, way too like uncoordinated and might take a bit of, um, bit of, time to slowly adjust and build up to that but did you find that when you were increasing your cadence did you find that you were naturally kind of running faster or getting more out of breath or more out of sync did how did that adjustment feel yeah definitely running faster um it's 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 hard to get used to like i'm 31 years old i've been running with that poor form for you know let's just say I started probably walking or running when I was three. So last 20, 27, 28 years of my life, I've been running with a really low cadence. We'll just call it mm. that. Uh, uh, it's I, I use a metronome to this day. I, I can't, I still, like I said, months later, I'm still like my body just not used to running with a cadence like that. If I don't think about it, I still, my cadence will drop to like 152 if I'm mm. not, if I'm not using a metronome. So yeah it's weird i think like i know i haven't released this cadence episode yet but i think you'll really benefit from the episode that that comes out um be in the future for you but anyone who listens to this podcast will be the one beforehand but uh, there's yeah there's a um there's kind of a trick to like you should be even if you're running slow or running fast um for a recreational runner the cadence should be quite similar the cadence um I know when people try and increase their cadence when they're running outside, they naturally, a lot of them naturally just speed up because, you know, they they feel like they need to tick their legs over quicker and quicker means that you need to run faster and um, they sort of start doing this road runner kind of ticking their legs over but just running super fast. Um, But it's a bit of a skill. It's a skill to have your a really slow run, like a really slow recovery run, but still have a, an optimal kind of cadence for some people. Because if it is, if you're running slow and your cadence is also low, you might find that you're getting a little bit sloppy and a little bit inefficient and you're kind of um, really kind of lumbering along and the yeah. the tendons, the joints, the especially the ITB, they're not really going to agree with you. It's not, it's going to pull a, a high strain. Um, which it's amazing that you've just made that simple adjustment. You've started running to a metronome and then found the, that all of a sudden, like there's no knee pain and there's like a, um, so like several weeks later, there's no pain returning, which is an amazing, amazing change, an amazing benefit. Um, I might try and just illustrate why, there, why there's such a profound difference and, and why I think there's such a difference. Um, because sure. do you know, uh, do you know much about your step width? Do you know if you run with a narrow step width or quite a wide step width or mm, uh, unfamiliar? I really don't know. I guess I couldn't, I, I would say it's pretty normal. I guess I, you know, when, when listening to your podcast, I've, I have videotaped myself running from the side and from the, and the, from the, in the back and stuff on a treadmill. Um, I, 
as far as width goes, I feel like that's pretty normal. Um, but lengthwise, you know, stride length, um, I was definitely stretching, you know, reaching. So then you get pin splints and you get the, you know, the IT stuff. Um, one, one note on the, when I was improving my cadence, um, I feel like I got really bouncy. That's one thing I, I felt like that happened. So I had to like, another thing I had to think about was like, not only do I keep my feet moving faster, but I got to try to stop <laughs> bouncing so much here. As in like moving up, like bouncing up too high. Vertically. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's, so when it comes to, especially ITB strain, there's research to show that if you have like a narrow step width or if you have like a crossover step pattern, that naturally builds up the strain in your ITB and oh. whether um, overstriding and also like a narrow step width, whether that's um, whether that's your running style or not, not, I'm not sure, but it would generate enormous strain on the ITB itself. But when someone goes from a low cadence to increasing their cadence and taking more steps per second, they simply don't have enough time to reach out in, in front of them, but they don't, they also don't have enough time to reach across, like across their midline to make contact with the ground because the it's so rapid, the turnover, they have to just make contact a little bit like under their, their foot. And so yep. while we know that going from a non-ideal cadence of like the 150s to uh, an optimal cadence around the 160s or 170s, um, that's overall improving your efficiency. It's also decreasing the ITV strain itself because of that, the correction that is forced to be made when you have to tick the legs over quicker. And so it's probably a similar thing as to why it's had such a profound effect on you. And yeah. I will say as well, if someone does try to, if they're, if their cadence is in the one fifties and they try and go up to the one seventies or maybe that one eighty number that everyone seems to aim for, um, it could, I have had people in the past make that adjustment and they get injured because of that rapid shift um, they get like like hip flexor issues or they get like different foot issues because they're hitting the ground a little bit too hard or they're just trying to make that adjustment that's way too abrupt. But it yep. seems like your your body's held up perfectly fine. It seems like um, the rest of the body has responded quite well. Yeah, no, I haven't had any other. The only other issue I've had, and I don't know what it, it just kind of started flaring up and I don't think it has anything to do with my IT band. It's like the ball of my left foot now is just super sore. Anytime I'm not mm. running, once I get it going and I'm running and there's no issues with it. So I don't know if it's a shoe issue or what, but that's the only thing that's popped up, but I'm just amazed by my knee. It just, it's such a simple fix. And I'm just like, yeah, you go through all these Google, you know, researches and it's like change shoes, do these stretches, do these exercises. Well, by the time you actually get to running after all these exercises, you're like an hour into your workout already. And you're just like, We've got time. <laughs> <laughs> have you um, have you tried increasing your like weekly mileage since you've had this pain free running now? Have you slowly built things up, or are you just keeping things steady? No, yeah, I, I'm like probably like 45 miles a week now, 40, 40 to wow. 45. So yeah, yeah, I, yeah, it's good, man. I got I got no complaints about my my knee, and I've been able to get my mileage up. So I got that marathon and. A little less than a month now, so my first one. Wow. Okay, fantastic. And so, yeah. with your with your marathon preparations, are you following any particular plan or any sort of training regime? 
Uh, no, I just try to do, well, you know, like, again, if anybody listens to your podcast, they're going to be like, this guy's a broken record. He's just talking about <laughs> everything that Brody talks about. But, like, two speed days a week, you know, where I'm doing hill work or sprints. Um, and then just one one day a longer running. I'm really fortunate to where I live. Well, kind of fortunate to where I live right now. I got, a, like, a lake out in the backyard, and it's got a really cool trail all the way around it. Um, and then I, like, live right across the road from the river so there's like in, down on the river bottoms it's really flat um but i gotta go up and down a big hill i live on a big hill so no matter what i gotta end my runs uphill but i go down there and just do laps and yeah it's i'm super fortunate for like running terrain around here i got either hills or hills or flats so do that yeah. on the weekends try to go out there and get some better mileage i like ha- having um people of say like either the patrons or people who are in the the Facebook group or people who just reach out, who listen to the podcast and they say, Brody, it's got to the stage where before every run, like I hear your voice in my ear when I, when I run and when I train. And so it's good that like those lessons and it's good that these episodes are kind of filtered into, to the way that you're practicing and the way that you're like implementing a lot of your uh, marathon preparation as well. It's good to hear. Yeah, it's amazing, man. There's, there's, you know, there's a lot of good resources out there. Um, YouTube's got, you know, when I was doing my cadence work, I would go on YouTube and like, okay, this seems super complicated, you know, complicated. How am I going to do this? I'd watch like all these different people go through how they increase their cadence or whatever. So I'd just be working on that and I'd go listen to the, you know, your podcast and it's just, you know, you, you're a huge resource for a lot of runners. So. We, Thanks, I appreciate mate. what you do, and I think a lot of people probably appreciate what you do. I got to ask, like during those weeks when you tried googling the the solution, you tried stretches, you tried exercise, you tried braces, you tried rest, and like nothing was seem seemed to work. Um, were there any doubts around, like, oh, maybe I'm just not fit to be a runner, maybe I just shouldn't run, maybe I should do something else, maybe this injury is never going to get better on its own? Did did those sort of thoughts or that mindset kind of creep in? No, I, I couldn't imagine because like I said, like in the military and I had done some military trains where, um, like we, I went to this air assault school this one time and that, that was pretty physically demanding. You know, you ran a lot. Um, and that was all capped off by like a, a 12 mile ruck run march, uh, at the end. And I'd never had this issue. So I was like, well, the only thing that I was, I was thinking, I was like, well, I am getting a little bit older. So could be, <laughs> could just be the body fighting back. But I was like, there's gotta be a there's got to be a fix to this. And not mm. once when I was doing all this research, did anybody bring up cadence? You know, it was all these, you know, hey, maybe you should try these kind of shoes with more cushion or less cushion. Or, you know, you can find you can find people that sit there and combat each other with, you know, no, this is the answer, that's the answer. But not once did I find anything about, hey, just improve your cadence. Increase your cadence. Yeah. It'll, it'll take care of it, you know? Well, it's good to say that even while you were dealing with that injury you still had an optimistic outlook because i guess based on your past experiences you've been there before like you know the type of athlete or the the amount of strength and capacity that you can build up to and so um i guess you based on those past performances and those past experiences you had that optimism moving forward yeah absolutely yeah i knew i mean there's always a fix you know and i'm not like one to i didn't love the idea of going in and getting like a, a shot or something to take care of it you know i just knew there's something that a guy could do like even like foam rolling i started foam rolling a bunch and i'm like i'm just not now i think i think the foam rolling 
probably helped a little bit with the cadence and stuff, just keeping it loose and stretched out. But at that time, it's like I couldn't, I couldn't find the trick for it. Yeah. Did you know what cadence was? Like if someone was to say, oh, at that time, if someone was to ask what your cadence was, did you know the definition of what it was? No, no, wouldn't have known. I mean, thinking about it now in my head, being in the army and stuff, we're all about, you know, this like march in cadence, do everything mm. in cadence, you know, but looking on it now, I'm like, well, it's, it's simple, you know, but at that time, it's like improve your run cadence. I'm like, take more steps. Why would that yeah. help me? Yeah. Yep. Uh, And it was one thing like when I was working clinics, usually the runners that approach me now, they're they're well familiar because they've already listened to my podcast. But when I used to work in clinics um, before this podcast even was created, I used to see runners who would run for 10 years and have like several marathons under their belts. And then I'd ask what their cadence is and they'd, they'd look at me like kind of puzzled. They'd be like, what's cadence? And it can be a huge game changer for some people. Like if it's, it's almost the one thing, the one kind of, um, mode of measurement that can highlight so many things around your running technique and your running efficiency. It's like one number, one zone that um, has profound effects on you as a runner. And so it's, it's pretty important that people know what their cadence is and whether they, um, attach it to oh maybe i need to increase or decrease my cadence whatever like uh, whether it's good bad or indifferent everyone should know kind of what what cadence they operate at absolutely yeah if you're running i think it's huge like yeah if you don't i mean even like like you said i mean it's so much so much depends on that whether you know it's your your form obviously um and then is your output too like i've noticed my heart rate has gone down significantly as my, my cadence has improved, you know, I can hold that zone two, zone three, um, at a much faster, much faster speed now. Well, that, that perfectly illustrates the, um, the importance of like the cadence towards effort levels or like running, running economy, because you're, like you say, you are now operating at a faster speed, but at the same kind of effort levels that if you had a lower cadence and running at a slower speed, um, yep. it goes to perfectly show that your economy has improved, like your perceived exertion against speed has improved. And so that's a good outcome as well. If people think yep. that it's going to, I guess, reduce your risk of injury or like overcome a current injury they have, but it's also going to increase your running performance. Why not have a look at it? Absolutely. Well, not in like, as well as shin splints, I've always been a guy to get shin splints, you know? Um, and those shin splints are something you can kind of run through, you know, obviously some people get them real, real bad and they, you know, it's just the pain becomes unbearable for shin splints as well. But I mean, if you increase your cadence, you're going to get, you're most likely going to get rid of your shin splints too, because you're not going to be out there reaching so far. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, the uh, benefits are crazy. Yeah. And I'll, I'll say it again. I think for cadence in general, for if I was to get, a hundred runners come in, we'll all have a look at their cadence. I think about 90% of them all fall within a nice range of cadence. Like I think they don't need to change their cadence unless they're injured and they want to like modify things slightly. And cadence might not be as important for them. It's important that they know what their cadence is, but it's not important for them to increase their cadence. But then you have this other 10% that are really low that are like, like you said, around the 140s, 150s, and they don't know what their cadence is, but we have a look and they're super, super low. That can be a huge game changer for someone 
to increase their cadence. It can be a huge benefit to them in terms of their efficiency, their speed, their performance, how they feel. Um, because we know running isn't that enjoyable if you're like gasping for air the entire time. Like if you no. find a nice steady <laughs> cadence and you're running at a pretty good clip and you're feeling like it's well under control, you're in this like steady state, can be a huge game changer for someone as a runner. And so that's what I like to kind of say for people when I'm introducing this concept of cadence, like, yes, it's good to know, but for most people, it's not really that important. But for those 10% of people, it can be hugely important. It can be a massive game changer if you manipulate that um, to your advantage. And so right. um, I think that's, that's you were probably one of the, that 10% that was like extremely low and just had no idea. And now you've increased it. You've had that realization and you're reaping the rewards because of it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I and mean, then like when you say that, I asked my wife, like when I was first kind of learning about cadence, I was like, what does your watch or your phone um, say that your cadence is? And she looks at it, she's like, well, it was like 175 or 176 or something. I'm like, what? How? <laughs> yeah. And she's like, yep. what is it? I'm like, and then I started explaining to her, I'm like, telling her all about, you know, all the stuff I'm learning. I'm all excited because I'm going to improve my cadence and all my pain's going to go away. And, and she's just <laughs> like a natural, like, she's got a good cadence. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, uh, um, the, the episode I have around cadence, I'm, I'm going to actually share some of my Strava data around like my intervals that I do where I have a one K really slow run one K really fast run, and then just alternate between that. And then having a look at my cadence during that run and it stays pretty consistent, stays at around that like high one seventies. And so maybe that's something that's within your next, I guess, I guess project to kind of work on is like at those slower speeds, you should still be trying to tick the legs over uh, or shuffle a little bit quicker because the um, the speed should kind of be irrelevant of what your cadence is or cadence should be like staying pretty consistent no matter what the speeds. And I think that might be your next thing, especially if you're realizing that as soon as you cl clip up to the, the 170s, you're naturally picking up your speed, which um, mm -hmm. it might just be that skill you kind of need to hone in on and still having those 170s or, you know, high 160s, but still you can still run quite slow at those cadences. Yeah. Yeah. I could, yeah, I definitely gotta, I gotta bring that in because even when I sprint now, I'm well over 180, you know, if I'm doing my fast work, I'll go well mm -hmm. over 180 and then I'll slow yeah. down, you know, if I'm doing intervals or whatever, and I'll drop down to like, if, if I wasn't still, like I said, Brody, if I wasn't using my metronome, I'm so, I've just been running incorrectly for so long that I just, like cognitively, I'm just like, I have to think about it. Otherwise mm. I go way down to 150 again. So yeah, I don't know if yeah. it's the fight, if I'll ever win the fight, but <laughs> I'm going to keep trying. I'm sure, I'm sure you will. I'm sure it's like any other skill that just naturally just gets ingrained. I'm pretty sure your nervous system and like your coordination will just f find itself into this kind of rhythm where you're just used to running uh, that way. I know I've changed the way I run. Um, for several years and now I don't think about it. And so right. it's just something that eventually becomes ingrained. But the metronome itself is a perfect way of ingraining that yourself. And you might find that um, having intervals of when you're listening to the metronome and then like maybe 10 minutes of not listening to the metronome and then 10 minutes back on the metronome can like give you different types of cueing. So you're then responding to the audio cue, but then you're just responding after that to what your body's telling you and you're just using different methods, using different cues to try and um, remind yourself to have that higher cadence. And so, yeah, sometimes that can be it. Yeah, for sure. Um, 
but I have no doubt that it'll just be a skill that you'll eventually hone in on and then you can probably start to wean off that metronome. Yeah, I hope so. It does get annoying. And my watch <laughs> battery doesn't last nearly long enough when I got that thing going every four right. steps, you know? <laughs> wow, I didn't think about that. I knew that like um, I had some runners who were just metronome runners and they would go for run for an hour and a half just listening to the beep. I'm like, I don't understand how people do that. That would absolutely drive me crazy. But I can understand. Yeah, I can understand that for some people, it's kind of like a meditative process um, and kind of they just get into a zone. They're not thinking really about the beat, but they can kind of just intuitively like run to the beat. And I guess that is for some people. It's not for everyone. I don't think it's really for me, but um, (laughs) I can definitely see how it would be beneficial. Yeah, no, it was brutal when I was doing that. I'd have it on my phone, you know. Uh, I didn't realize that I had a metronome on my watch at the time, so I'd have it on my phone. I'd have it playing in my ear, you know, every fourth beat. It would just be like a little buzzer, you know. Right. Um, but after a while, I got, well, I figured out that I had a metronome on my phone, so then I was able to go do, uh, you know, get it off off my, or on, <laughs> on my watch, I'm sorry. I had a metronome on my watch, so then I went to a buzz beep on that, and... Um, during that 5k race I was telling you about on the 4th of July, I was running next to a buddy. He's like, what's going on with your watch? I was like, oh man, that's my <laughs> metronome. It's like, make sure my cadence stays right. He's like, turn that off. Otherwise I'm not running with you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Not I was for like, everyone. oh, it is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> but now I'm just to, uh, I'm now to a, like just the, the vibration on every four step on my watch. And, but like I said, if I don't use it, I just, I'm not there yet. So one day. Mm. So it only vibrates and doesn't have an audio, an audible beep. Not anymore. I turned the audio off, so now oh, it just cool. vibrates on. Yeah, yeah. So it's not so bad. Now I could probably run with him again, and he wouldn't lose his mind anymore. Yeah, he wouldn't really know. He he wouldn't he wouldn't feel the vibration, so you could just go <laughs> no. undetected. If he is he's getting too close to me, I gotta give me some space, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, mate, this has been awesome. I think like as soon as you reached out and well, you didn't reach out to get onto the podcast. I'm the one who suggested it. You, you sort of reached out to say thank you for having like this um, improvement or helping me with my, my injury. And then I just suggested jump onto the podcast. Let's chat about it. Yeah. I've never done one before. So I was kind of looking forward to it. it was fun, fun idea. Yeah, and like I said before we started recording, I take all the opportunities I get when it comes to success stories because I, um, first of all, the the audience loves them and they ask for more of them and they don't necessarily always come to my doorstep like you. So I, I take the opportunities when they come, but it's it's such a cool story. I don't get a lot of knee pain either with the uh, with um, these success stories. And so um, thanks for, for coming on and sharing. It's been a, a really cool story and I think the lessons that you've learned um, it will be the same lessons that hopefully help other runners that are going through a very similar situation. And I think we covered a lot. I think all the, all the realizations that you had and the, um, the experiences that you had kind of just follow the lessons of the podcast in itself as well. And so you've got this kind of cohesive, um, content that's, that's, you know, reaping the rewards time and time again, as people were starting to implement these lessons. And so, yeah, your, your story is a perfect example of that. So thanks for coming on and sharing. Yeah, no, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Hopefully, yeah, if we can, or if I can, my story helps one person, that'd be a, that'd be a huge success just from uh, reaching out to you on Instagram and thanks and what's up. And yeah, I never really expected a response from you, but it was cool that you reached back to me. So appreciate the opportunity. My pleasure. And um, as we sign off, best of luck with the marathon as well. Best of luck with the preparations and the training. All right. I appreciate it. I'll probably be in touch on Instagram, man. Yeah, definitely. All right. Thanks, mate. All right. Take it easy, bro. See you. 
And that concludes another Run Smarter lesson. I hope you walk away from this episode feeling empowered and proud to be a Run Smarter scholar. Because when I think of runners like you who are listening, I think of runners who recognize the power of knowledge, who don't just learn, but implement these lessons, who are done with repeating the same injury cycle over and over again, who want to take an educated, active role in their rehab, who are looking for evidence-based long-term solutions and will not accept problematic quick fixes. And last but not least, who serve a cause bigger than themselves and pass on the right information to other runners who need it. I look forward to bringing you another episode and helping you on your Run Smarter path.